this is a tremendous honor um, for me, for us, for my wife, for our family, and for this church. Um, and so that you know, this guy was dedicated in a church um, at Pleasant Valley early on in his infancy. And uh, we had some godparents come down, Chucky Betters, um, and we had some other people stand up for him and dedicate to him. And the fruit of that is before your eyes today. Uh, uh, a young man, a captain in the military, special forces, uh, is pararescue. Uh, he's done his three tours already. We've got our son-in-laws in the back, uh, Adam, who did some tours in Afghanistan. And we have Joe, who did a couple tours, three tours, a Marine and a, uh, an Army. We have Keshet, our daughter, who's a captain in the Air Force right now, active duty, serving. Uh, so I guess we're quite a bit of a military family. It's in their blood. Um, but the most important thing, the biggest blessing is that Sam and Adam and Keshet and, and, and Joe is about there. I don't see Joe ran out the door. He's about there. <laughs> there he is. Hey, Joe. Uh, godly men who fear God, uh, love their families, and, uh, and realize that where they are in their lives is because of the hand of God. And uh, we thank them for that. So when Sam was able to arrange his schedule and get here for today, I just said, Sam, why don't you bring the word today? And um, he's studying on his uh, master's of theology right now. Uh, Christian apologetics. So Christian apologetics. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Kind of like theology. It is like theology. <laughs> and, and he's doing that at Liberty University while he's still serving active duty. He also has a master's in international security. So this guy, you know, he's a book guy, um, and I challenged him a little bit on, uh, on, on a message, which is uh, a little bit of how you mentor to bring on in front of a church. I used to, I was told in my Spanish churches many times, this is the message you will bring Sunday, and at first I began to not like that, and then I realized that was a real challenge for me because it forced me to, to adjust what I had in me to what the senior pastor wanted for the church, and I found that it helped me to create a pastor's heart in me. So I want to present to you Captain Samuel Amedia, and uh, he's going to bring us the Word of God. Amen. Do it, sir. All right. Morning, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. I hope those clapping's not for me. It's for God, right? That's, that's what we're all here for. Uh, so, as my father said, uh, my name's Sam. I am the son of Frank and Laura Lee, uh, the youngest of three older sisters. So two of them are in the back, and then one, Carissa, she lives up in New York. And then uh, family's growing, got three brother-in-laws. I have uh, seven, is this too loud? Is this echoing? You guys all right? I have uh, seven nephews and nieces. Um, I also have a fiance. She's currently deployed as well. So she's gonna be watching at some point from Afghanistan. Hi, Abby, her name's Abby. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> hey Abby, wherever the camera is, Abby. Um, yeah, so she's currently deployed as well. She's active to the Air Force. Uh, so that's kind of the introduction is a good segue into what I'm going to talk about today. And so ultimately, I'm humbled to be here. I'm honored to be here. Uh, I remember this church from when I was nine years old when 
I was still living, eight and a half, still living in this part of uh, the United States. We moved down to South Florida, as many of you know, when I was uh, eight and a half, so around the year 2000, 29 now. Uh, and I had finished high school down in uh, South Florida, but this church was purchased in the 90s, right? And I remember it. Uh, I remember my parents slowly coming back here and starting to build it up. I remember under this floor, uh, Romans 8.28 being put on for my grandma. Uh, I remember all those things. And to look at this body now and to see how beautiful it is, not only the building but the people, uh, it's truly amazing. Uh, honestly, it's truly amazing. And so that's something that I think when you don't see the progression of something, it's hard to remember how God's working, right? When you don't see those those tangible fruits when you expect them to come, it's hard to remember that God is working. And so that's going to be kind of the, the premise of what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about faith. So faith, when you talk about faith into a body of believers, that's a pretty broad topic, right? Faith is typically defined in, in Hebrews 11. So that's the most common definition when you, when you talk to people about faith. Talk about Hebrews 11. I'm sure a lot of you can probably quote to me Hebrews 11.1. 1. You want to try it? What is faith? Amen, right? So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of that which is not seen. Before I get into that, though, I'm going to segue a little bit and build upon what my dad talked about. And this was not choreographed. The words he said right there, he has no idea what I'm about to talk about. So it's probably a scary moment for him. I don't even know where he went. So it's probably that scary for him that he, that he left the building. Uh, so there's no choreographing in true uh, Frank Media fashion. You know, he just kind of leads by the spirit, right? So how did I get here today? I originally had no plans of being here. So I'm talking about right now, being at this service, I had no plans of being here. Uh, as many of you know, I was deployed all summer. Uh, so I was a squadron commander as a captain in Iraq out of Al-Assad Air Base. So I had 25 airmen underneath me uh, as a middle-level captain. That's not supposed to be my role. That's supposed to be a colonel's role. Uh, and it was thrown at me. And so I was nervous. I was afraid, uh, unsure of myself. But what do you do? You know, if the military tells you what to do, you go do it. So I went and did it. And I spent my summer from May until October in Iraq, and Iraq in the summer is not the b most beautiful place to be. So during the day, it's like 120 degrees, and I know, at least I know Joe's been there. Has anyone else been to Iraq? Yeah, it's, I mean, if you ever get the chance, maybe <laughs> contact your local tour guide and see what you could do. Uh, but Iraq in the summer is, is, not, is not the nicest place, 120 degrees during the day. At night, cools down to a nice 100 degrees, uh, and you still get that nice warm desert breeze. It feels like a blow dryer. Uh, so you can't escape, right? I did find an escape, though. One of them, first and foremost, being God. So I developed a habit uh, about three years ago to try to wake up every morning, regardless of my emotions, regardless of what I was feeling that day, and get into God's Word. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm reading. I'm reading about three four sentences. My mind's somewhere else, right? But I'm not going to give up on that habit, and the reason being is because if I put God first and foremost, like the rest of us, and the first thing I do every day, whether my heart's in it or not, God, God sees that. And God knows that we're trying, right? Motions aside, logic aside, God knows that we're putting him first, the first thing we do every day. And I think it's pretty powerful because then he goes before us. Um, it's, it's an act of submission, right? So that's one of my escapes on the deployment. My other escape, I got into some endurance training. So I snuck my, my bike, my road bike, I bought a road bike, I snuck it into our military storage containers. You're not supposed to do that, right? You're supposed to only put military gear in military storage containers. 
Now I'm on video admitting that I snuck a, <laughs> a road bike into a military storage container, so here we are. But hey, I was the commander, so they, they gave me that authority, so I figured why not. So I put that bike in there, I bought a, a trainer for it, and uh, at night when it was 100 degrees, me and my buddy, we would do a lot of training, right? So we'd ride that bike for two, three hours. We'd go out and run around the base. The base is roughly six miles long around the perimeter of the base. We'd run that multiple times, right? We did that because we signed up for a triathlon uh, that was supposed to be happening right now. So it was supposed to be happening in Texas, right now in Galveston, Texas. We were going to do a half Ironman. It's a 1.2-mile swim, 56-mile bike, and then a half marathon, 13.1-mile run. So that was our goal. And we set a goal, and we escaped from the deployment environment together, and we started uh, pursuing this goal. So I trained all summer for it. And then three days ago, I got an email saying Ironman's canceled. Right? Not an uncommon thing this time. COVID is, is uh, it's spiking in the United States, so we're told, and a lot of things are changing. Right? Everyone, everyone in here is wearing masks, right? Everyone in here is wearing masks uh, because of that. So I texted my parents. I was really supposed to come here on Monday, and I said, hey, the, the Ironman got canceled. And that was it. I went to sleep. So it's Wednesday night. Thursday morning, I wake up, go to work, into my meetings. I'm not going to change my flight, right? I already spent a lot of money, paid for this race. I, uh, I'm fully committed to, to doing this, this race this weekend, and to re-roll money, flights, time, effort. I'm already losing money. It didn't make sense to try to get here earlier. So, sorry, this is a little loud, but I think it'll work. You guys can still hear me. It's not echoing. All right, cool. So, yeah, so I uh, told my parents that, and then I get a text from my mom and dad on Thursday afternoon, and it says, hey, do you want to come to Ohio on Friday? You want to get here earlier, you can watch the Buckeyes play, which I don't know if you guys watched that game. It was, it was uh, rough, to say the least, but pulled out victorious. Like, you can watch the Buckeyes play, and then you can give the word on Sunday. I said, I can give the word on Sunday? Do you know who you're asking to give the word on Sunday? Uh, and they know, but uh, immediately my initial instinct was, I'm not going to do that. I have all these plans, right? I I have a flight booked already. I have plans for this weekend. I have to go to work. I have to change all my leave paperwork, right? The military, you can't just get up and leave. You can't just go where you want. You got to submit it, especially in this day and age right now with COVID. You got to submit it. It goes up to a high-ranking officer. They approve where you're going to go, how you're going to go there. It's, it's not that easy just to book a flight. So all these thoughts start rolling through my head. I immediately say, no, mom and dad, I'm not doing it. Uh, I'll see you guys on Monday. Love you guys. Thank you for asking. And so Friday morning, I wake up, and what I do, I get in that habit, right? I get in the Word. I get into that. I try not to break my routine. So the first thing I do is get in the Word. Next thing I do is get back on that bike. I don't know why. I couldn't let it go. I knew this race wasn't happening, but I had all these, these things built in my life, right? I had this, this routine built. Some of it good, some of it really inconsequential, like riding a, riding a bike when you don't have a race. What's the point of that? But I did it because that's what I was used to. So I get back on that bike. And then I start feeling in my spirit, God saying, go. All right, you want me to go? Yeah, go. Do you want me to speak the word? Yeah. All right, so you want me to go? I got three hours to catch a flight. I got to go into work, still do what I have to do. By the graces of my commander, say, sir, can I do this earlier rather than later and go to Ohio? I got this flight in three hours. There's all these obstacles, right? God said, go. I said, all right, what do you want me to talk about? He said, law. I said, law? You got the wrong media kid. <laughs> There's another media child back there. It's a lawyer, my sister, right, Cachette. 
I'm a knuckle dragger. I'm not going to talk to anybody about law. I try to avoid the law most of my life, right? It didn't make any sense. Uh, he said law. And I said, okay. All right, God, so you want me to go to Ohio? You want me to break the routine? You want me to go against all these obstacles that don't make sense in my mind? And you want me to go say the word about law? He said, yeah. I said, all right. Packed my bag, <laughs> went to work, and everything started lining up, right? Everything started looking good. Uh, we're getting an early release that day. Didn't know that was going to happen, so that makes it way easier for me to leave. Uh, the commander, totally fine with me coming early. Makes sense. He said, hey, you're already going to go to Texas. We'll just change the location, change the dates. Get on my phone, get a flight that day from United. Um, so I show up at the airport, and everything's on time. Smooth sailing, right? So I listened to God, and immediately I started thinking, yeah, of course, it's God, right? He's lining everything up. This is all perfect. So I spend the next seven hours getting in the Word. So I start studying. I start reading about law. See, I've been going through Genesis and Exodus, and, and I hit the Ten Commandments the day before, and I was like, oh, this all makes sense. God, your timing is so good. It's perfect. You know, everything started feeling right. So I have this awesome seven hours worth of, of a message built, right? I've never, I've given one other testimony in front of a body of, of believers. I've never given a message. I've seen a lot of messages, never given it. So I had this seven hour long, nine note, nine pages on the Word document message built, right? It was about law. It was about, we we're going to talk about how God designed from the beginning of time on Adam's heart, this just beautiful aspect of him being law and how it's transitioned throughout Abel and all the way to Noah and then Moses and eventually they had to write it down because humans kept getting it wrong. It was gonna, it was gonna be great. It was gonna be great. I was very stoked about it. I was super happy. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, also, I was like, oh, what a perfect time. Law is like one of the most controversial and or talked about topics in America today, right? We're all having issues with some sort of law to a certain extent. Or we're trying to figure out if we're supposed to listen to certain things, right? It all is making this perfect sense. So I show up, start talking to my dad. I don't know how many of you have gotten to talk one-on-one with uh, Pastor Frank, but sometimes he just gets this, like, thousand-meter stare. You know, he's not really looking at anything, but you can see the wheels are turning. And I'm talking to him, and he goes, no, that's not it. I said, what? I said, wait, time out, Dad. God, God told me to come here. I wasn't supposed to. Told me to come here to talk about law, and now I'm sitting in front of you, and within about 10 seconds of me talking, 1,000-yard stare tells me, no, that's not it. I say, all right. You know like the, the, the saying that a, a prophet doesn't have a home in his, in his own town, right? I mean, that's true when you grow up as a pastor's kid because you see the good, the bad, the ugly. You see whatever, whatever any other human would see, right? So immediately I'm like, there it is. You know, this is a, a son and father collision. I didn't, uh, I immediately didn't want to let go of it, right? And so I sat there and I was like, well, you're the shepherd, right? This is your church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start listening. I'm going to take away what I think is right, and I'm going to start letting God speak. So my dad starts talking about being a pastor and what that means, right? The flock that is, is under his covering, so he is the pastor of this church, and you guys are his flock, and everyone that listens online are his flock, right? So he starts telling me about what it's like to, to be there sometimes for your flock, to just sit with them, what it's like to guide them, what it's like to protect them when, when the wolves come for your flock, what it's like to, to teach, and what it's like to encourage. He said this is all part of being a shepherd. It's not just teaching. It's not just doing what 
you might think is right at that right time. It's being in tune with the spirit and the mindset of your flock. That's what you're supposed to do as a shepherd. I was like, wow, that's some, some King Solomon wisdom, right? In my mind, I hear this like deep voice and it's Ecclesiastes and son, there is a season for everything. I'm like, yep, all right, dad, there's a season for everything. Uh, that's kind of how I felt, but I said, all right, you know what? Those seven hours of work that I just did, this plan that I had to not even be here today, I'll throw it all out the window. All right, God, uh, my dad wants me to, to, on behalf of his flock, try to give a word of encouragement. I said, encouragement? It's nowhere near law. Like, when I say law, generally, people are like, hey, that's, uh, that is the least encouraging thing, generally, when you, when you throw the law at someone, right? When you're standing in front of a judge, you're not encouraged in those moments. You want to run away from those moments. I said, all right, so encouragement. I had all these plans thrown out the wayside. How many of you have had plans during this COVID-19 season that haven't come to fruition? Probably every single person, right? <laughs> what about before this? What about before COVID-19? You ever budget? Uh, me too, right? You ever budget for, I don't know, a car, a house, have this perfect plan, car sold, show up to the dealership, hey, this car's not here, house, someone else bought it bought it for a lower price than you were even going to buy it for. It doesn't make any sense. How about you got a vacation plan and everything's lined up perfect. Boss approves the leave dates. Everything's going well. And then a hurricane hits. Hurricane. You're not going to that beach anymore. It's a hurricane. It's pretty crazy that in those moments where we think we have everything lined up perfectly, as a believer, God flips it on its head. And that's something they don't tell a lot of young believers, right? They don't tell a lot of young believers that when you sign up for Jesus, your plans, they don't matter. They don't. God's plans is what matters. And you're not always going to see God's plans, right? This church, like I said in the beginning, 10 years ago, I don't know, 15 years ago, I couldn't imagine. My mind's eye could not imagine what this would look like. And it's continuing to grow, and it's amazing. So often what we think is reasonable and attainable, right? There's nothing wrong with, with achieving. There's nothing wrong with seeking goals and budgeting and doing all that. But oftentimes, God will say, hey, that's good, Sam. You set that money aside. You train for that triathlon. You continue to, to pursue those goals. But I have a bigger plan for you. I have a bigger plan for you that you're not going to maybe understand it. But it's going to come to fruition. And, and because you said, I am your son, now you're going to listen to me, right? However, when that happens, what do we feel like in those moments? Let's be honest. What did I feel like when that triathlon got canceled? I felt confused, angry, mad, mad at COVID, mad at the law, mad at the regional governors. It's like, hey, you didn't realize I just spent six months in the desert on a deployment training for this? You didn't realize that? You didn't care? I felt anxious. Um, anxious, like, what do I do now? I got on that bike the next morning. Why? Because I didn't know what to do. I had habits. I had all these emotions, and I immediately didn't trust God, right? My initial reaction was not to be like, oh, God's in control. And even if I logically said that to myself, I didn't feel it. I got in the word the next morning, but I still felt unsettled, right? Am I weird for that? Am I the only one? Well, the Bible doesn't tell me that. What did Moses do when God asked him, hey, you're going to start leading my people? I heard my dad talk about this multiple times in his church. He started stuttering, started saying, no, there's got to be someone else. I got this good thing going on here. You see, I got a, got a wife. I got some kids. You got to mean somebody else, God. 
said it three, four times, and finally it's like, all right, here's Aaron. He can probably do it, and you're still going to go, right? He still sent Moses. What about Peter and the apostles? What do you think they thought when they saw their Savior, Jesus, who they spent multiple years with, healing, walking on water, raising people from the dead? They saw him crucified. They saw him hanging on a cross, dying in front of their eyes, when all Mosaic prophecy and law said this was going to be your savior. He was going to conquer. He was going to free your people. And they saw him dying. Do you think that's what their mind's eye thought Jesus was supposed to do? Was supposed to sit there and, and die in front of them? Or how about afterwards when, when his flesh did pass away and he got put in the tomb? I mean, what's the word tell us? They were all hiding. They, they were probably thinking they were next. They were, they were doubting. They didn't know. Right? They didn't know because they had this concept of what a Messiah would be. They had a, an understanding of what a Savior is. They had a plan. They had a plan. And they were following Jesus because it was undeniable, right? Our God is undeniable. He was so perfect when he was here. There was no doubt that this was the Son of God. But he wasn't supposed to die in front of us. That doesn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense to them, right? Doubting Thomas. How did he get that name? He still doubted Jesus. Jesus showed up. And he still needed to touch the wounds in his hands to, to believe that that was Jesus because it all got taken away from it. All of it passed human logic. It didn't make any sense, right? So those guys, they're not too much different than, than me in that sense, right? Things change. I have this plan flipped on its head. God takes over. It doesn't make sense. I start doubting. I have these emotions. What does God do every single time? He comes through. Every single time, God comes through. And it's amazing. And it's not in the way you expect it. And it's not in the way you'll ever, you'll ever be able to do it yourself. You would never be able to construct the plan that our God has done throughout time. It's truly amazing. But what do we as humans and what do the Israelites, and what do the apostles do throughout time? They doubted, right? They started doubting. They had these fears, these emotions. Those emotions wrong. Do you guys think those emotions are wrong? Do you think God made a mistake the way he designed us with emotions? They're not wrong, but they should cause us to realize that we are not strong enough to do it on our own, right? Because our God doesn't fear. Our God doesn't have doubt. Our God doesn't make a mistake. COVID-19, whatever you think about it, it's not a mistake. It is not a mistake. Wherever you're at in life, whether you're in a job you want to be, you can't get a job, it's not a mistake. God is not surprised. He's just asking you to trust him. And our initial inclination of trusting God is to not trust him. Is I'm scared, God. I don't think I could do that. I'm a stutterer. I saw you die on the cross. You were supposed to conquer. I saw you die on the cross. There's no way you're alive. There's no way you were resurrected, right? It doesn't make sense. Doesn't make even though I've watched you resurrect somebody else, I still don't believe. That's human, right? So what does this all have to do with faith? So I talked a lot about about our emotions, right? And this probably doesn't feel very uplifting to anybody in here yet. But ultimately, we're going to go back to Hebrews uh, in the scripture. I don't know if they could throw it up for Hebrews 11 again, and then one through three. I'm going to read it. So now faith is the assurance or substance of things hoped for, the conviction or evidence of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. 
So what's what's the writer of Hebrews saying there? The universe was created by God, by things that aren't visible. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of that was not seen, right? Is he talking about just believing there? If I asked you guys, what's your definition of faith? Would it be, well, it's what I believe in. My definition of faith is what I believe in. If you read through the rest of Hebrews 11, which we're going to touch on some of it, the writer shows very clearly it's not just what you believe in. It's what you have confidence to walk in. That is where faith starts growing. It's not just, okay, God, I believe in you. It makes sense, right? And don't get me wrong, it took me up until three years ago to truly believe in God. I grew up, and, and my testimony is way too long for the 20 minutes that I'm about to go right past that my dad said I had to do. I am my father's son, though, right? You know, you put 20 minutes on that man, you're going to be here for three hours. So, so either way, <laughs> uh, it took me reading the Quran. It took me reading Hindi and uh, philosophers and Eastern religion. It took me doing all that to logically start to understand what faith is, to finally say, all right, Jesus, I believe. That's what it took for me and my walk and my personal relationship with God. But I didn't really start understanding faith until I started having confidence and walking where he was telling me to walk. And that's when now faith is starting to teach me something. And that's the other end of faith that I think we don't, we don't talk a lot about, right? We talk about faith just being believing, but I know this body, and I, I've watched pretty much all the sermons, right? I watch them from afar. Um, the place of next. What is the place of next about? It's about having faith that God promised something and then walking into that next place. What's the key there? Walking. You can't just have faith and not walk. You can't have faith and not stand up, despite the doctor telling you you can't stand up. You can't have faith and then not believe that it's possible for our God, the creator of the universe, to heal your ears, to heal your sickness, to get you out of prison. You can't have faith and just say, oh, well, I believe it, but I'm not going to walk in that confidence, right? What does the Hebrews, if you don't, <laughs> don't want to take it from me, take it from Hebrews. What does he say after 1 through 3? He goes through a whole passage of everyone starting in Abel, the son of Adam, right? The second-ish human on this existence of a planet, showing faith. And he goes all the way down, right? He shows Abel. He shows Noah. He shows Abraham. And then eventually he says, if I had to keep doing this, like, I would need a bazillion pages and way longer life than God's willing to give me. Because there's so many people that have showed faith despite everything stacking against them that ultimately it turns into not just believing but having confidence that God's going to deliver. And the way you have confidence that God's going to deliver is you walk in the direction that you're being called to walk in, trusting that God will do it. Everyone's done it throughout the history of the Bible and ultimately, they've seen God's promise at a certain point, right? So if you go to the conclusion of Hebrews, so verse 32, I'm going to read it. So if you bear with me, 32 through 40, it says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, Stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Now there's a turn. Some were tortured, 
refusing to accept release so that they may raise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So what is he saying? He starts with defining what faith is, right? We talked about a definition of faith. It's not just believing, it's having confidence. And then he shows you all these people that we, we recognize in the Bible, great men of faith, great people of faith, not just men, Sarah, great woman of faith. He shows you all these people. And then he says, some of them conquered. Some of them stopped the mouths of lions. Others, they're sawn in two. That's a pretty heavy statement to say that a man like Paul could be sawn in two. And God, who said it doesn't make mistakes, right? He allowed that to occur. So what do we do with that? Well, he sums it up by saying, though commended through their faith and did not receive what was promised, God had provided something better for us. So what does that mean? That should make you feel good. So it, it wasn't for them, right? God provided something better for us. He provided Jesus, and he gave his Holy Spirit to this earth on the backs of people that believed and didn't let go of their promise that may have seen glory on this side of eternity or may have seen glory on the next side of eternity, but that didn't give up because they know that they know that they know that Jesus was real. Jesus is true, and his resurrection was undeniable. And so all that being said, it should make us feel confident and good in what God has done for us. So right now, right, when we start doubting, when we start thinking, God, I know you're real, but why am I not allowed to work right now? Why am I not allowed to go do what I want to do? Why do I have to wear a mask everywhere? When we start doubting that, we just have to remember God doesn't make mistakes. God lets us toil a little bit because without a little bit of struggle, we don't grow. Right? Moses saw a burning bush telling him where to go, and he still didn't believe. Thomas saw Jesus standing in front of him and still had to touch his hands to believe. We're no different. We, sh- we need that struggle. We need that assurance. But our Father in heaven, he knows that. He's not surprised by that. He's not uncertain. Right? He knows where this is going. He knows that the train's on the tracks towards his kingdom. But what does he ask us to do? He asks us to have faith. Is faith just believing? No, right? Faith is having the confidence to know that God's going to deliver. The confidence to know that we worship the creator of the universe, and he will and can do all things for the good, for those who love him, right? And those who are called by his purposes. So the promise is there. The question is, what are we going to do with those promises? So what makes Christianity different? It's our hope's not contingent upon our actions. God already said it. He said, here's two things you got to do. You got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, and all your soul, and you got to love your neighbor. That's it. You don't have to do anything else besides choose to have faith, and then through your faith, love. It's a pretty simple formula, honestly, for success. 
And it doesn't mean throughout that whole time, though, that you're always going to have success in every single moment. And I think that's where, as a body, we sometimes get lost. When we start getting, when the waves start rocking, when the winds kick up, we forget that Jesus is sleeping right next to us. And he wakes up and tells us, what are you guys freaked out about? Do you not know who you're sleeping next to? Do you not know who dwells inside of you? Man, that's a power that no other religion can promise. No other religion can promise that power. That is a truth that can only come not from karma, not, not from a action that you committed, but from an all-powerful God. That is it. And it's truly an amazing thing, right? So I think sometimes we forget in times like this who God is. That God makes us righteous through faith regardless of our actions. I want to say that again. It's not our actions that makes us righteous. Read, read it. Read it consistently throughout the word. It's our faith in him. What are we talking about with faith? Is it just believing? No. Faith is a confidence to move in what God has told you to do, right? I think it's something that we don't get taught enough, that faith is more than just an emotion. Faith is more than just a inclination that, that this is true. It starts with that, but then it grows. It grows into confidence. Confidence that God, the man, excuse me, the person and the being, the Trinity that created the universe, that rose Jesus from the dead, that rose Lazarus in front of people, that walked on water, that he could do anything. You can, I can, but God can, right? So what do we have to do? If we start submitting to God, then he's going to enable us to do his work. He's going to enable us to have those gifts of prophecy, to have those gifts of healing, to have those abilities to discern good and bad, to have the dedication and the endurance to pursue the right things for him. But it starts with admitting that God needs to do it and not us. Those gifts don't come from us, and they never will. They'll only come from God, and they only come from being submissive to God. So I share my testimony uh, a few weeks back at my church back in Vegas where I live. And uh, it was a testimony not like many different others. A boy that he looked at Jesus and he said, no thanks. <laughs> he said, that, that's a stiff. That's a lot of rules. I don't know about those rules. Those people are crazy. They're dancing. What are they dancing for? Same guy that would, that would think people at church dancing are crazy, but then go to a concert and look like them even worse, right? The same guy. That was my testimony, right? I was doing every sin you can imagine. Every single one of them. Every single one. At the age of 15, I should have died in a car accident. I, I might have died. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if anyone was able to put up a, a heart monitor at that point, but I was, the car was going over 100 miles per hour, jumped a bridge, flipped three times, my side hit a tree, stuck on its back, and all I remember is it being all white. And I'm not talking about like a glorious white. I'm talking just like a scared white. It was blinding white and I couldn't see and I was stuck and I couldn't move and a lady screaming at me to get out of the car can't move I thought I was in a coma I thought that was it and a lady's get out of the car get out of the car I tried to answer her what did I do I groaned couldn't even talk groaning groaning in the bible what is that it's the holy spirit talking for you it's interceding right I'm stuck I'm stuck upside down in this car blinding white light get out of the car, get out of the car. Uh, uh. What was my first thought? I thought I was paralyzed. I was like, this is it. 15 years old, I'm, I don't know how long this is going to last, but I'm going to be paralyzed for the rest of my life. I groaned, and then what happened? I started to be able to see again. I went from blinding white light to opening my eyes and seeing this blonde, blonde woman yelling at me, get out of the car. I was like, okay. I can start moving again. I crawled out of the car. Four of the guys in that car, where were they? 
I don't know, 700 meters down the road. They thought the car was going to blow up and they left me, they left me upside down in this car, right? I'm not blaming them. Probably would have done the same thing if I could. But God didn't let me. He wanted me to sit there. He wanted me to not see. He wanted me to know that I couldn't do it. And he wanted the Holy Spirit to intercede through me at the voice of a lady who I never met. I don't know if she was ever real or not. No one else knew about her. The paramedics, my buddies, no one else knew about her. But <laughs> that lady was there. She was yelling at me to get out of the car, right? But I didn't, I didn't know at that time what was happening, right? So I started sharing that story with people throughout time. People that had the eyes to see, the ears to hear, I would say these things to them. They kind of knew what was going on. For me, I justified it all. I was like, that lady was real. I don't know. I mean, I've been knocked out before, but it was just a weird one, right? That's one a little different. I'm sure there's other people that have seen a, a bright, blinding light when they've been knocked out and not been able to move. Everything started justifying, right? 15. I joined the military. I go through multiple other experiences where I'm sure there could have been a time where my life was taken, but I wasn't a believer. I wasn't truly believing, right? 26 years old, in Iraq, flying around, 2017, Valentine's Day. And this story's been shared a few times. But by the grace of God, and I'm not going to get into the details of it, a missile was shot at our helicopter that we had two seconds to react to. All the systems failed. The right guy in the right place at the right time was looking at the right location to hit the right button to cause flares to expense, which allows the missile to bite off on the flares, right? That guy wasn't supposed to be sitting in that seat. The guy that was sitting in that seat, his grandma died that day, and we took him off the flight. That guy that was supposed to be sitting in that seat was a brand new person, first deployment. Most likely not going to be doing the right thing at the right time, right? Probably a little bit scared, a little bit shaken, not focused on the right thing. The guy who put in that seat, my most experienced guy. The guy that generally had the reps doing the right thing at the right time. Missile bites off, two and a half seconds. What do I do? I'm not a believer yet. That was crazy. Oh man, how lucky did I get? Right? I start telling that story. People start asking me, the guy that was supposed to be sitting in that seat, why wasn't he on that flight? His grandma passed away that morning. Huh. What about the guy that's on that flight? He was the best guy I had. Huh. You ever talk to that guy about it? Yeah. What does he say? He said he was praying that day before the flight. We got off that flight, and he said, someone's grandma must have been blessing this situation. Probably that guy's grandma that's no longer with us, that went before us and interceded on our behalf as a saint. That was the words he said to me. I didn't really, I was like, yeah, sure, man, cool. <laughs> I was like, that's just crazy, dude. We just, we just missed a missile. Like, thank you for your, for your contributions to, to my life and your life, but you save that stuff for another day. That was my heart, right? Now I'm looking back. One, I repent, and I say, thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you, God, because I didn't do any of that. There's no way I couldn't even try to claim that I contributed to any of that. It was all done for me, right? So why do I share those stories? Well, I share them because I think oftentimes there's two places that we can be as, as believers. Once we decide, hey, we're going to submit to you, God, and we're going to repent, and we're going to believe in you, we either sit and wait for God to do something, or we start leaping and running and pushing in faith to do something. And for me, I never want to be that guy sitting again. I don't want to be that guy that's hoping someone else's grandma is praying on my behalf, or that an angel is going to be there in my door despite me can't, I'm not being able to move. I know what God tells me to do. He tells me to submit, and he tells me to act in faith. So now what I'm going to do, I'm going to do that. I will not be caught. The one thing I can control is not be caught 
with my figurative pants down again in a moment where I wasn't praying and I wasn't thanking God and I wasn't trusting him to go before me, right? Because that's our one thing that we could do. So when I say walk in confidence, I think that's it. I'm not telling you to do anything but to pray and to believe. I don't claim to be a prophet. I don't claim to be a healer. My God is. My God is a prophet. My God is a healer. So if I sit there and I say, Lord, you tell me to pray and you tell me to ask all things in your name, in Jesus' name, and you're going to deliver, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray and God's going to deliver. We got to have that faith, right? We got to have that faith that goes beyond just believing. It goes into confidence. So I think 1 Peter kind of captures it best. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9 says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the outcome of your faith, and the salvation of your souls. There it is again. It's that F word, right? It's that F word again, faith. So what does it mean? I'm standing before you here pleading. I plead with you guys to have faith. Have faith right now. Have faith that God is not getting caught blindsided by the circumstances in this world. He's not. He is not. Our God is so smart. He's so good. He orchestrates everything in such a perfect chess game. He is not confused. All you got to do is have faith. What does that mean? It means more than believing. It means more than believing. You got to act in confidence. You got to know that God works all things for the good for those who love him and those who are called to his purpose. You got to read his word. You got to get into it. You got to understand that that our God is, is more than just an emotion. He's a logic. He's a mind. He's a heart. He's a soul. He's your strength. You got to believe that God's going to deliver you. You got to believe it because he is going to deliver you. It is promised. We're going to be redeemed. You're going to be sanctified. You're going to be justified. It is going to happen. All you have to do is have faith. And faith is more than just believing. It's walking in confidence that your God, your God, the creator of this universe, who sent his son to this earth, who killed his son in front of men, did everything that doesn't make sense to any of us. He did it for us. The summary of Hebrews 11. He did it so we could share in that promise. And it's not just a future promise. It's a promise right now. Read the words, the words. You can get in the Greek. You can get as nerdy as you want this day and age with your computer and read the present tense that that faith is not a past tense and it's not a future tense. It's a present tense faith. And that's not just one offshoot in Hebrews 11. That is consistent through the Bible. It's a present tense faith. The promise is present. It's here. It's right now. All you got to do is believe I plead with you, if you have, if you have people in your life that aren't believing, keep praying. Keep praying. Bring them in. Bring them in. This is the truth. I, I sat and I lived for 26 years not believing that this was the truth. I should have died multiple times. And I'm no different than anybody else, right? There's a lot of testimonies like that. I'm not telling you I'm special. I'm just telling you. 24. At 20, year 25, if I would have died, I wouldn't have believed in Jesus. Where's my hope? Where's my hope? Where's your hope right now? 
right? Where's our hope? Our hope's in Jesus. Plain and point, our hope is in Jesus. And honestly, I know this has turned heavy, but maybe that's the Holy Spirit. That's what he wanted. I was supposed to be encouraging. But <laughs> there you go, Dad. I tried to listen to the shepherd, and uh, I think the, the big shepherd pushed me in this direction, right? The big shepherd pushed me in this direction. <laughs> I tried. Um, but ultimately, although this was supposed to be encouraging, I want you to, to think about the fact that you, and if you haven't, today's your day. Don't wait. Don't wait till you're hanging in the bottom of a car. Don't wait till you're flying in a helicopter and a missile gets shot at you. Don't wait till it's all taken away from you and you can't speak. Don't wait till those moments. Today's your day. But for you that have believed, today's your day to have confidence in what you believe in. <laughs> it should make you feel good. God is so good that he did all these things for us and not just for the future us, but for us right now. And it's just the power that's, that's indwelled inside of us through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus Christ that we can activate. And the way we activate it is we submit. We submit to Jesus. That's how we activate it. And Jesus activates it, right? I say we, that's probably the wrong way to say it. That's how God activates that power inside of us. Submit to him. And then have confidence. Have confidence despite everything that plays out in front of you that God's going to deliver. He doesn't make mistakes. COVID-19, future president, you name it. You name whatever you think shouldn't be happening. God does not make mistakes. And he won't, and he won't ever. And all you have to do is take solace in the fact that we have been called to him, his elect, as his family. It's amazing. That should make you feel good. It makes me feel good. What a great father. He's like, hey, you could do all that stupid stuff. I got you, man. And you're going to be with me forever. Think about eternity for a second. Forever. So I went longer than I should. Once again, I'm a father's son. Um, I got I to blame him sometime. Last time, I got the, last time I got the mic here, I threw some jabs at him too, and then I ran away so he couldn't jab back. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to leave you, and I want to point back to Jesus one last time, right? So in Philippians, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, the word says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It says rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everybody, everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is going to guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Our Lord's word. It's amazing. I thank you guys uh, for bearing with me there. Went longer than I should for sure. Um, But ultimately, I just want to, the last thing I really want to say is is thank you to this ministry. This ministry has prayer warriors in here and the people that have been steadfast in this ministry, I guarantee has contributed to those stories that I shared. You don't know what your prayers do, but keep praying because I guarantee they're doing something. If you guys are all bow your heads with me real quick and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I am just so humbled and honored to be here in your presence, to be with a ministry that puts your word first and foremost, and to be with a ministry that worships you with all their heart and all their mind and all their strength and all their soul, regardless of what people may think. God, they come before you as humbled servants, and it's just refreshing to my soul to see that in this world and this time, Lord. Lord, we know that you are true. We know that you are all-powerful, God, and I ask that you just continue to go before 
not only touch heaven, not only the body, but every single individual that hears this online, Lord, every single individual that continues to seek you, Father, that you go before them and you show them your goodness, Father, and you show it through your grace. I thank you, Jesus, for the nation that we were born into, that we have the ability to still sit here and talk about you, God. I thank you, Lord, for the for the leadership of this country, God, and that I ask that you put the right people in the right place, that they cannot help but deny that your goodness and your greatness is what's truly giving them authority. And Jesus, personally, I am so humbled to be able to share a word in front of you and in front of your people, and I just thank you for that. And it's in your name I pray, amen. Thank you, Sean. It's all right. It's good. Um, for those of you who are online and are here today, uh, Sam made an invitation. He didn't complete the invitation only because he's probably working within the time constraints, but there's nothing more important than everyone having the opportunity to give their heart to the Lord and to know that you know that you know that this is your day. And that is a word of encouragement, isn't it? There's no better encouragement than that Jesus saves and that Jesus saves us. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, and those are online, if you're within earshot of me and you say, Lord, you're touching me, I feel something in my heart right now. I'm not really understanding the scriptures but I do know, I do know that this is the day that I want to discover you and I want you to come into my heart and to show me a new life, a new way, the best way. Or you've been in the Lord and somehow or another you just strayed away or you never really knew him as your real Lord and Savior in your heart, you just knew him in your head. Didn't quite work for you. You measured him by your own circumstances instead of just yielding we've all been there if someone's honest if that's you if you've never received the Lord or you're saying I want to get back and I just want to make a recommitment every head bowed every eye closed I just like you to put your hand up right where you are yes I see you I see you I see you and those online the Lord sees you And we just want to say a very, very simple prayer. Just repeat after me. Say, I believe in God. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came to earth as Lord and as man. He was a just man. He never sinned. Yet he was crucified. And he died for my sins. He descended into hell and paid the price for my sins. And he resurrected. And because he lives and lives inside me, I can live forever. Forgive me my sins, Father. For you and you alone have I sinned against. Create in me a new heart. Wash me clean. And Holy Spirit, come and live inside of me. 
And Jesus, I declare you are my Lord. Now, Father, let's get on about life in you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.